0: Have you guys ever gotten lost? Anybody in here ever gotten lost? And I'm not talking about like turned around or or like when you're a kid. I remember being on a field trip at the pumpkin patch and um, I found myself far away from all the chaperones, my mom. Um, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like, but like lost as an adult, um, it's different than being lost as a kid, right? Because um, adults aren't supposed to get lost, but, but sometimes it happens. I remember a couple years ago, I, I went on a day trip with my family um, to go hiking. And we went to Robber's Cave. And, and I'm an outdoors person, believe it or not. I like to be outdoors. I like to be in the woods. Um, and I'm like, oh, this is just trails. Everything's marked. It's going to be great. We're going to have a good time. And so we go out there. Um, apparently, whoever oversees the state park, or at least at the time, they don't adequately mark the trail system. And so we get out there kind of late and, and we're gonna do the big loop real quick. And it's starting, sun's starting to go down, it's gonna be dark in a couple hours, and we're like, all right, we got this. And so my wife and I and our our herd of children, you know, six kids, um, we we set off into the woods, and, and it's gonna be great. The trail's open, it's nice, there's markers at the entrance. As we get back into the woods a little ways, some things begin to happen. Trails are crossing trails. There's not markers. It's not, it's not clear which direction that we should go. I have zero cell phone service. You know, I didn't drop a pin. I don't have anything. Um, and we're just kind of getting out there. But then we see somebody, and, and that gives us some comfort, right? Anytime you're out somewhere where you're unfamiliar, if you see a friendly face, it gives you some peace. But as time went on, about an hour and a half in, we stopped seeing anybody. We stopped hearing any type of cars. Um, it's getting kind of dark at this point. And my wife asked me, Honey, do you even know where you're going? Um, to which I confidently assured her, "Of course I know where I'm going." Where deep down inside, I'm like, "I don't know where I'm at or what's going on." God never been there before, and again, there's nothing to indicate any type of direction. And the kids are starting to get hungry and complain. You know, like, "Are we there yet? We've been out here for like two hours." And, and as time goes on, there's like this fear setting in because I'm realizing some things. One. It's going to be dark soon, and I've got six kids, and we're not prepared to be in the woods in the dark. We have no flashlights. We have nothing. We wouldn't even bring any water, really, because it's just supposed to be through the state park. Like, it's supposed to be easy. Um, And it's just starting to get worried and worried and worried. And then finally... Finally, I hear a car, like I can hear a car. And so there's just this peace. I'm like, we've got to be coming up on an entrance. And, and finally, there it was and, and all was well. Um, but there was just a real sense of fear for a moment when I didn't know my way back. But I wasn't confident in it, right? There was like a part of me that, that thought I should go one direction. But again, as trails passed and things became confusing, um, that assurance that I started off with began to fade away. And I needed some type of direction. I needed something that would call me back home. And as we got close to the end, it was the sound of traffic on the highway that begin to say, all right. And I begin to get that confidence again. This is where I'm supposed to go. This is what I'm supposed to do. So I could regain my footing, so I could bring myself and my family to safety and, and get them out of the woods and, and safe face with my wife and not have to fight all evening, right? Um, so tonight's message is titled this, The Way Back. And the thing I want to talk to you about is what to do when you're lost spiritually. When when you find yourself in a, a season Or a moment of struggle. And how many of you know that that happens to the best of us, right? That that we set out... And we endeavor to do the right thing, but things happen that trip us up. In recovery, we might call this lapse or relapse. Um, the rest of us call this life, you know, as it does. It happens that there's things that I want to do that I find myself not doing. There's things that, that last year I was really solid in, but, but kids happen, finances happen, job happen, and, and I'm not doing so well, and I and 'm off track spiritually. I'm off track with my walk, and around here at Cedar Point. We're we believe everything's centered around Jesus. And so if I'm, if I'm not where I need to be with him, nothing's right. Nothing's right. And so we get off track and we need to know our way back. And so maybe, maybe it's caused you to stumble again in your recovery. Maybe it's caused you to stumble in your relationships in your marriage. Anybody who's been married for more than six minutes know that there's ups and downs, right? And that, and, and you gotta really be centered on Jesus to, to love your wife well, to love your husband well. But maybe you've got off track and you've struggled there. Um, maybe you found yourself watching things that you really shouldn't be watching. It could be, you know, something incredibly bad like pornography and you're stuck and you're trapped in that. Or, or maybe you're like me and you realize that you spent like four hours yesterday watching Family Guy Reels on Facebook. And that's not really spiritual and as a pastor, I probably shouldn't do that, right? And it just makes me just aware of the fact that I'm not investing my time wisely. And, and the more that I miss it, the more that I miss it, right? And, and the farther I begin to wander. And what starts off as is, is innocent trips ups or um, just maybe taking a break and relaxing a little bit eventually leads to catastrophic failures and can lead to devastating things in our lives. And so as we begin to drift, which happens if we're not intentional, we need to be aware and we need to be motivated and we need to be focused and we need to constantly be reorienting ourselves on the things of God and pursuing him. If we want success in recovery, if we want success in marriage, if we want success in our job and our finances, whatever it is that you're here seeking and pursuing, the center of it should be Jesus. And if you've gotten off kilter, if your sinners moved left or right, you're slipping. You're falling, and you need to find your way back. And so, in these moments, it's important to remember: first and foremost, we don't have to live that way. As Christians, as Jesus followers, something's taken place that gives us that gives us freedom. Over sin, It gives us freedom over the things that hold us back. And if you're in here and, and you haven't quite bought in to the whole Christianity thing, um, this doesn't apply to you, but it could. Because it's the same opportunity that we all have, that when we step into relationship with Jesus, something takes place. I want to share with you out of Romans, Romans chapter 6, which is one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. Um, because it really speaks to this misconception that we have to be trapped and struggle forever. And I encourage you, if you've never read through all of Romans 6, read through all of Romans 6. If you've never read through all of Romans, read through it. But especially focus on Romans 6. But Romans 6, 5 through 7 says this. This was written by the apostle Paul. And he says, since we have been united with him in death. So it's talking about Jesus. So this is for those of us that would call ourselves Christians, that would call us, uh, ourselves Jesus followers. Since we've been united with him in his death, We will also be raised to life as he was. And so what it is, is we're spiritually dead. We come into a relationship with Jesus. We become spiritually alive. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. When Christ was crucified, what happened? He died, right? And so if our sinful selves have been crucified, it's speaking of a death. There's a life that takes place spiritually, but there's a death that takes place. And it's our old selves, our old ways begin to die. And since we've been raised to life as he was, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power over our lives. Not so that you'll struggle for the next 10 or 15 years and, and with no way out. That, that the gospel, the message that we believe, it, it's not just fire assurance. So I know that I can live life the way I want and you know, one day I'm not going to go to hell. That's not what it's about. That's that's a small element. Salvation, that's just a small part of it. But there's a promise that God gives us on this side. And it's saying this, that you can put to death the things that you were struggling with. That you can put to death the things that, that got you into the bad places, that caused you to lose track, that caused strife in your marriage and caused strife in your life. You don't have to live that way forever. That there's a freedom to be found. And so your old life, has been crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power over our lives before Christ. And if you're in here and you're not a Christian, this probably doesn't make sense to you because you're a slave to what your desires want. And that struggle's real. And even as Christians, we can allow ourselves to find ourselves in a place like that. But especially those of us who have never made Jesus Lord. And so that, that sin has power. But in Jesus, it loses that power over our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Those of us who call Jesus Lord, we are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free. Say free. Free. We were set free from the power of sin. And so that's a promise. That's the gospel. That's like the complete, the completeness of what Jesus has brought us, right? It wasn't just so that you could see grandma one day on the other side. It's about more than that. And it's about something that can take place today in your life as you submit and as you surrender, he'll do that work in you. And my life is a living, walking testimony of that. Anybody who knew me 10 years ago will say something's taken place, that I'm unrecognizable in lots of ways. And it's not just because my hair's thinned out some, that something has taken place on the inside because of what God has done. And because of what he's put to death inside me as I came into relationship. And so if that's true, if that's true, why do we begin to struggle as Christians? Because I imagine many of you have made that commitment, right? To follow Jesus and make him Lord. And we step into that relationship, but, but we don't always get it, right? My life's not perfect. I'm not perfect. I mean, watching too many family Guy reels is just one tiny problem and struggle that I have and a whole host of things that I still have to get this in alignment with God. And God's word tells us this. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this means anyone who belongs to Christ, that's Christians, is a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So we're new creatures. We're new creations. This new life has begun. Why do we stumble? Why do we fall? What's taking place? How do we fix it? How do we correct it? How, how do we fulfill or, or experience the fulfillment of God's word here in Romans 6? So that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about the way back. That, that as you've endeavored to do something right, this is what I know. 10 times out of 10, we're not going to get it 100%. That there's going to be something there, but we still need to pursue it. And we still need to, to allow ourselves to be focused on, on what God has for us. And so again, we're going to talk about the way back because little by little, we need to move ourselves to a place of holiness. That means set apart. That that as Jesus followers, one of the biggest ways that we miss it in the church is we look like everybody on the outside of the church. We talk the same, we watch the same things, we live the same way, and then we wonder why our lives are exactly like everybody else's. It's because we've missed something. That, that, that wasn't what it was about. That, that there was a work that, that needed to be done. Our work doesn't save us, but, but there's something that we're called to do in order to continue to walk out the freedom that Christ has already promised us. So what do we do when we fall, when we stumble, when we trip up? We should stop, seek, and surrender. We should stop, seek, and surrender. And I want to I want to go through each of these one by one. And so point number one is this. Stop and evaluate where you are. As you begin to realize that you're missing it, as you begin to realize that something's not right, you need to stop. Stop where you're at. Stop moving away from God. Stop doing the wrong thing. Repent, we talked about that a few weeks ago, right? Turn, go the other direction, be still. But you know what I see more often than not? That the people begin to do something right. They mess up and then instead of putting on the brakes, they press down on the gas and they go 100 miles an hour in the wrong direction wondering why aren't things going right? You need to stop and evaluate where you are. You need to take an account for how you got there. What's taking place? What choices you're making? What are you doing wrong? Where did you miss it? I mean, because either God's word's true, and and you're doing everything right, and it's just not working, or or God's word's false. Which which is it? And so stop. Stop and evaluate where you are. I want to share with you guys out of the book of Revelation. Um, revelation is the very last book of your Bible. It was written by John. And so um, he had actually, they had tried to um, martyr him and he'd been excommunicated. And so he was out on this island and, and John gets a revelation, single revelation from Jesus. A lot of times people call it revelations, um, which is like, Several revelations from Jesus. No, there was a single appearing from Jesus, and Jesus began to reveal something to John in this moment, and that's why it's Revelation. We're going to be in Revelation um, chapter two, and so here um, we have seven letters to seven churches, and so Jesus gives this message to John as a single revelation, and it and it's things that he's going to write to the seven churches, and, and these. These were written to them, so the context is this. It can't mean anything to us that it didn't mean to them, so keep that in mind. A lot of times people mess this book up with all sorts of weird stuff, and if you've ever read it, there's a lot of heavy imagery, but but it can't mean anything to us that it didn't mean to them. And so here in Revelation chapter 2, John's writing to the church of Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was a church that the apostle Paul had started earlier, and and he opens up his letter, chapter 2, verse 1, it says, write this letter to the angel of the church of Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. It's that kind of stuff that, that causes us to lose track, right? Because it's like, that's weird. What's he talking about? Just remember that this type of literature and writing is meant to draw you out with heavy imagery. And so it continues. It says, I know all the things you do. This is Jesus And this is the letter to the church of Ephesus. And he's reminded them, I know all the things you do. I just want to stop right there. That's a heavy thing to really dwell on, right? I mean, like all the things, Jesus, you know all the things. Yes, all the things. I know all the things that you do. I've seen your hard work, patient endurance. Oh, thank goodness. Jesus is talking about something good here, right? Um, I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. And you have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. And so the Ephesian church here was a group of hardworking believers full of fortitude, right? And Jesus, he opens this up through John, right? It's a revelation, Jesus to John, and he opens this up with this encouragement. But he doesn't end there. He doesn't end there. And sometimes we end there right? That that as we're slipping, as we're falling, we don't stop and evaluate anything because we just focus on the good. I don't know about you, but as a man, I look in the mirror and I only see good things. Like um, women, they kind of look in the mirror. They only see bad things. Men look in the mirror and I could be like missing my right arm and I'm just like, oh man, I'm so sexy, right? Because that's just how men are. (laughs) Like we don't see anything wrong. And as Christians, we all fall guilty of this, right? No, none of us. None of us want to talk about where we're missing it and where we fail, right? And, and Jesus speaks to us, maybe through God thoughts, you're doing so good. Helping those people, man. Look at you. Yes, Jesus, thank you. Right? And, and we just we tuck all the encouragement. And then Jesus uses somebody to come along and say, Psst, hey, you're missing. No, Jesus said, I'm doing great. Right? And that's what we do. And then we just step on the gas because all we want to focus on is every place we're getting it. And Jesus wants us to celebrate our wins, but he doesn't stop there with us. He didn't stop there with the church of Ephesus. He says this, but say, but, but, but I have this complaint against you. You're doing great here, but I have this complaint here that, that everything here looks great and you're doing so good, but you're missing it here. Jesus wants to talk about the place we're missing it. We should celebrate the wins and the good things, but we should also stop and evaluate, where am I slipping? Where am I sliding? Where have I missed it? But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you first did. he begins to call him out. This place right here, this is great, but I want to talk about this because if you don't get this in line with me, this is all going to go away too. That, that all these good things, all these places where you've really got it together and there's so much success, I'm grateful for the work you're doing. But this right here, you've overlooked it. And if you don't fix it, it's all going to come tumbling down. It's going to fall apart and you're not going to experience all that I have for you. And so Jesus wants to talk to us about that. And so we need to stop and evaluate where we are. In verse five, it says, look how far you've fallen. Jesus begins to tell them, look, evaluate. Stop looking outward at all the places where you're killing it and take just a moment to see how far you've fallen. And I'll be honest, it's uncomfortable. Even as a leader in the church personally, when I do this, I always have places to grow. I never look in the mirror. And I know you shouldn't speak in absolutes, but this is one area where you can always speak in absolutes. I never look in the mirror and do an honest evaluation and find nothing that I need to work on. And so we need to stop and evaluate where we are. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, Again, that's that's where we turn away, where we do a 180, and we walk away from the things that we're doing wrong. If you don't repent, if you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. And that's Jesus saying, if you if you don't fix this, the anointing and favor will be removed from the church. And and if we don't fix those places, if we don't recognize those, then we're asking God to co-sign on something that, that he never bought into. And we're trying to push God into our box and we're trying to drag him along into our mess and that doesn't work. And so we need to stop and evaluate where we are. When we begin to slip, when we begin to fall, you need to stop and evaluate. We need to be aware of where we are at all times, especially and seasons of struggle, even more so when you think you're not struggling. And so if if you stumble or fallen, point number two is this, seek the presence of God. Seek the presence of God. Simple, simple, right? Seek the presence of God. How many of you do that um, when you fail or struggle? Like, that's the first thing. That's the first place you go. Um, Not me. Um, I'm glad some of you do. Like, that, that's just not me. And even, again, as a pastor and somebody who, who does this, that, that when I struggle, I struggle in guilt and shame, first and foremost. And there's an embarrassment. And I forget, you know, up here where God says, I know all the things you do. And I think, all right, maybe if I don't talk to God about this, he won't know. He won't know what, what a jerk I am or what I've done. And, and I like try to convince myself of that. And it's like the same thing that took place in, in Eden, right? In the garden in the beginning, Adam and Eve, they fell and then they hid from God. Like God created everything. He's not going to know that you're naked in the woods. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's just that thing, but that's what we do. And, and, and so many times we withdraw. We withdraw from the presence of God. But when we're struggling and missing it, that's the thing that we need to do first. Like that, that should be our first priority. But because we're so broken, oftentimes it's one of the last things. It's like, uh, I've tried everything else. I guess I'll pray about it. man. I'll go to church now, right? I'll invite some of God's people into my problem. Like, I'm at my wit's end. It's, it's all coming crashing down. Now, now I'll let somebody know what's going on. Now I'll go to God. And that, that needs to be where we start. And so again, point number two If you're stumbling, if you're falling, if you're slipping, if you're struggling, you need to seek the presence of God. Seek God, seek God's will, seek God's people. Don't withdraw in those moments. Don't withdraw in any moment. Seek the presence of God. And so I want to share with you guys out of of Deuteronomy, Old Testament, um, incredibly hard to read some of the Old Testament. I get that. If you're new to the faith, I hated, hated reading the first five books of the Bible, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's like I feel like I've read this 10 times. You did. It repeats itself a lot. Um, and so we don't often spend a whole lot of time in the beginning, right? But, but the beginning of the Bible is, is so important because it sets the scene, right? Um, do I got any movie fans in here, right? Um, I'm sure many of you, we need, we need the scene set in a movie, right? If we're going to climax in the story and, and we're going to have that moment that just like grabs us, like the moment's Jesus in life. But, but we need the scene set, and oftentimes we don't allow it to be set. And so we're missing it. It's like cutting to the middle of a movie, and we don't get the full picture. And so we need to go back and read it. And here in Deuteronomy, we're going to read about the Israelites. And so what had happened is, is Moses was sent to them, and Moses freed them from Egypt. They'd been in captivity for hundreds of years. And so they come out of Egypt, and they go into the wilderness, and Instead of following God, who did these amazing miracles, they begin to backslide and step into those places of struggle. They go back to idolatry. They argue with Moses. They argue with Moses' brother Aaron. Um, they, they argue with God. They complain all of these things. And they came out of slavery and they keep mess, missing it. And they keep messing up. And then they're, they're going to go to the promised land, but but they fail in that too, because they don't trust God. And so God says, for 40 years, you're going to wander in the wilderness. And, and that's just going to be what it is. And in the wilderness, they continue to struggle and do all of these things. And finally, it comes time to enter the promised land. But because of the things that had taken place, Moses can't go with them, but Moses begins to give them this message from God. And so through all their failures, God didn't abandon them. God didn't leave them. God continued to journey with them, give them grace, give them opportunities, give them moments. And oftentimes we think of the God of the Old Testament as being brutal, but look at how many opportunities he gave his people and gives us. And that, that's the great picture, the great takeaway here. But in Deuteronomy... In Deuteronomy 4, chapter 29, as, as Moses is saying, you're going to enter this land. You're going to enter the promised land. It says, but from there, you will search again for the Lord your God. And if you search for him with all your heart and soul, you will find him. What an incredible promise. And, and that, that God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. And that promise to the Israelites there is the same promise that we have. And, and even in all their struggles and all the things that they did wrong, the, the same is true for us, that, that if you search for God, if you search for God with all your heart and soul, you'll find him. He's there. And, and he wants you to find him. It's not some epic game of hide and seek where he's thinking, oh, man, I hope Aaron doesn't find me today. No, he's saying, I'm right here. I'm right here. You're, Look at me. Look at me. You're messing up. Look at me. And he tells the Israelites this. And then it says, In the distant future, when you're suffering all these things, you will finally return to the Lord your God and listen to what he tells you. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that amazing? This was written thousands of years ago, but the character of people hasn't changed. We come into a relationship with God. God, what can you do for me? And we walk in all the things he's given us. And then we do our own thing and we burn our lives down. And then we search for God wholeheartedly with everything we have and we get back on track and then we do it again, right? And that's what they did here. It says, you'll finally return to the Lord though. And that's what we need to do in those moments. We should do it first. But if you're in that season of struggle, if you're slipping, if you're failing, you need to do it now. You need to do it right now. Begin to seek the presence of the Lord. In verse 31, it says, For the Lord your God is merciful. He's a merciful God. That, that even though you want to feel guilt and shame and you want to pull away in embarrassment, the Lord your God is a merciful God. He's a forgiving God. He's a loving God. For the Lord your God is merciful. He will not abandon you or destroy you or forget the solemn covenant he made with your ancestors. And even though that was written to them, the same is true for us. That when we seek God, we'll find him. And when we find him, he's merciful, he's loving, full of grace and forgiveness, and he just wants to help. He wants to help us to experience that freedom in Romans 6, the things that we can walk out. He doesn't want us to be trapped in struggle, in addiction, in sin. He wants us to be set free from it. And so we get, again, this amazing picture of the goodness of God through the way He handled the Israelites time and time again, offering that mercy and forgiveness, but we have it so much better. James 4, seven through eight says this, so humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. That we, as we come into relationship, and again, if, you, if you're not there, if you haven't made that commitment, I encourage you to do so. But as we come into relationship, we need to humble ourselves, come close to God. And no matter what your past is, no matter what, what you've done to fail, how far you've missed it, God is always ready to accept us and forgive us and welcome us home. Yeah. So again, humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Lastly, if you stumble, if you've fallen, if you've missed it, the very last thing is this. Surrender the things that led you away. Surrender the things that led you away. Surrender your will, your control. Allow your mind to be renewed. Surrender the things that led you away. seems so simple, right? So so easy. But this is what I know to be true, that I have a firm grasp on the things of this world, the things that I enjoy, that that I know to be wrong. And, And I try to categorize them. And I try to say, well, it's not this, right? And it's acceptable out there, right? I mean, everybody's doing, it. it's not illegal, it's not immoral. But guess what? Being illegal and being immoral is, is not the standard that the Bible uses. That's not the standard of God's word, that, that we're held to a higher standard, to something different, that, that stepping into the church doesn't mean we just look through things from the legality of the way everybody else looks like. So we need to begin to surrender other things in our lives, things that, that brought us to the place that we are, that brought us to the struggles. And so I wanna share out of Romans. Uh, Romans, again, that's what we opened up with. It was written by the Apostle Paul and it was written to Christians in Rome. Again, Christians, it wasn't written to unbelievers. It was written to Christians. And it says this in 12, one, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And so what Paul's beginning to do here is paint a picture of the expectation that he has for us. And so if you wanna know why Romans 6 doesn't apply to you, why you're struggling, why you find yourself failing, why you find yourself slipping, it's because you've missed it here. It's because you haven't fully understood that, that you need to surrender everything in pursuit of God. And it says, because of what he's done, living, dying for you, surrendering it all so that you could be saved, so you could have that fire insurance, so you'd go to heaven one day. Because of that, you shouldn't live your life the way that you want it to live. You shouldn't do whatever you want to do. You shouldn't go on sinning and doing these things. No, you should give yourself up as a living and holy sacrifice. That means you surrender your will, your things, you set them down, and you wholeheartedly pursue the things of God. And that may mean making hard choices. That may mean looking in the mirror and saying, even though everyone around me thinks that this is acceptable, I know that God doesn't. And I need to set that down. I need to be pursuing something else. And then he continues in verse two, and he says, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Say new person. new person. By changing the way you think. And so again, this is written to Christians in Rome like almost 2,000 years ago. And he's having to tell them, don't copy the customs and behaviors of the world. Just like the church today, we fall into the same trap. Don't, don't copy what they're doing. Even if they all think it's acceptable, don't be swayed by culture, but humble yourself before God. Pursue God's word, right? That's truth. And when we do that, what's he say? He says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, I want to point out something here. He's writing this to Christians. And what we think, right? Right? is we give our lives to Jesus, and this is true. 2 Corinthians 5.17, this means anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. So we become a new person upon salvation, right? So what in the world is Paul talking about? Become a new person. Am I not already a new person? Well, spiritually, yes. But then we have an obligation to deal with the other stuff. the, The inside's renewed, but you're still gonna struggle in all those same areas. You, God did this work and he opened the door for freedom here. And then it's up to you to do the hard work, to to begin to work on changing your life. He'll equip you for it. He's gonna give you everything that you need. And and it's your only chance of success. But we become a new person spiritually, and then we're obligated to renew our mind by pursuing God and allow him to deal with all the other broken places, to, to work on your addiction, your hatred, your anger, that, that you've got to work in tandem with God. That, that doesn't happen instantly. You've got to begin to deal with, with your flesh, with, with the physical person, right? And begin to, to really endeavor to change those things. That's up to you to work with God. And as we do this, as we focus on God's word and he renews our mind, right? That's the only way. God's word renewing our mind, renewing our mind. And then over time, we go through this process where little by little, these things become less of a struggle. And little by little, we find more and more freedom in the things that that kept us trapped for so long. Little by little, Romans 6 begins to look more and more like your life. But, It requires us to do this. Christianity is is so much more than raising your hand. Recovery is so much more than raising your hand and and coming to a church service, showing up on a Monday or showing up on a Sunday, that, that the reason we still find ourselves struggling is because we're missing it here. And every other week, we're not investing time. We're not investing energy in allowing God to shape and to mold our mind. Again, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then, say then. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. But we come into relationship, that should be the catalyst that starts us on a journey of seeking, of pursuing Of endeavoring to follow God in such a way that He renews and transforms our mind and makes us a new person. We're spiritually new, so we can pursue new flesh, new desires, new life. Colossians 3, 5 through 10, it says, So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality and purity lust and evil desires. Don't be greedy for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of the sin, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of the world, but now it is time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. The place that we miss it, as we think the beginning of the journey was the end. it's just the start. And as you, as you come into that relationship, as you pursue Jesus, as you pursue a recovery that's centered around him, it requires us to learn and to know God's word, to place it deep in our hearts, and to allow him to shape us and mold us and transform us into who he's called us to be. Again, point number three, Was surrender the things that led you away. Surrender the things that led you away. To recap tonight, stop and evaluate where you are. Even if you feel like things are going good. Church of Ephesus, I guarantee you, they thought everything was kosher. But we need to stop and we need to evaluate where we are. Take your foot off the gas and just take a moment. Do an honest evaluation in the mirror. Where can you grow today? What can you do better? That's that's what God's called us to. He's called us to continue to pursuing perfection, continue to pursue a life that looks like him. Number two, seek the presence of God. It's so easy to want to step back, to pull away, to hide, but it's so important that we seek the presence of God that we lean into him and say, God, what would you have me to do? How would you have me to respond? How do I need to grow today? Seek the presence of God. And number three, surrender the things that led you away. The things of God will never lead you astray. That his word, his desire, his will is perfect. It's perfect. So if there's anything unhealthy in your life, that's because you've missed it. He hasn't. And so you need to evaluate those areas, surrender those things, and say, I know I was doing this. What would you have me to do with God? How would you have me to change? What can I better about myself? So surrender the things of God. Our action steps tonight, evaluate where you are and what setbacks you're dealing with. Do an honest evaluation. It's so pertinent and important. I'm, I'm coming out of a season personally of doing this, of really endeavoring to see where, where am I at? What, what disc, what's discontent in my heart? What is God speaking to me about? And, and really trying to do away with it. Number two, endeav- endeavor to understand how you got to where you are. What door did you open? If you slowly drifted, where did that start? Where did you open the door? Where did you give entrance to something unhealthy? You need to find out where that is. And number three, write out your plan for when you encounter a similar situation in the future and stick to it. So figure out where you are, figure out how you got there, figure out how you'll stop it in the future. What can you do to remain focused on God? What can you do to remain strong in the struggle? And so all of this, everything that we talk about here at Recovery, I want to remind you that's centered around Jesus. And I know many of you in here that, that you've made that commitment that you're a Christ follower, and, and that's the best decision you can ever make. But this is what I know too, that, that some of you, you're not quite there, that, that you've been on the fence. And so tonight as we close, I want to invite you into an opportunity to, to surrender yourself, to surrender your will and begin to pursue something different. And so if you're in here tonight and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I want you to know that it's the best decision you'll ever make. And it is the very first decision that you'll make that will set you on a path to something good for once. And so I wanna encourage you, and give your life to Jesus. And here at the end of service, we're gonna have um, some ladies and some gentlemen up front and they would love to pray with you and for you so you can make the greatest decision you'll ever make, and that's to come into a relationship with Jesus. Number two, maybe you've done that before. Maybe you've gotten off track. Maybe you find yourself in here tonight realizing, I've drifted so far. I was so lost. I didn't even realize I left home. But your eyes have been opened up tonight that, that you need to recommit, that you need to rededicate, that you need to re pursue the things of God. And if that's you, I want you to know that you can make that decision tonight. And so the same offer stands for you that that here at the end of service, I want to encourage you to step out of your seat, come down front, and allow us to pray with you and for you so you can recommit your life to him. And then maybe God's just been pressing something on your mind. The Holy Spirit has been speaking to you, opening your eyes to a place where where you're missing it. And there's something that you realize that you need to set it down tonight, that you need to lay it down. If that's you... I want to encourage you that here as we close to to come up front to grab one of these white chips. There's nothing special about it. It's just a reminder so that you know, I gave that to Jesus. I'm no longer carrying that burden. He's handled that for me. And so if that's you, I want to encourage you to pick one of these up. We've left it blank on there so you can write down today's day, so you can write down what it is. And it's just a personal reminder that anytime the enemy tries to bring that back up, you can look at that and you can know Jesus has got that. He's covering that. He's handling that. And then lastly, maybe you just need prayer. Maybe you're in here tonight and and you're just struggling. I mean, you've been following God, but you just just need somebody to journey with you just a little bit further, just a little bit more. And you want somebody to pray with you. We would love to do that. This is a house of prayer. And we love just to join you and journey with you in prayer. So for any of those things, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a white ship, or just to receive prayer, we want to encourage you to come down front. And if everybody would, if you would stand to your feet as we close in worship.